All right, thank you musicians today. Thanks everybody for helping us sing praise to the Lord. Sorry, men's side of the choir down a little bit. Several of the choir members in jail this morning. <laughs> preaching, preaching. Preaching. Bond or free, we're all one in Christ Jesus. So. All right, Matthew 24 this morning. Matthew chapter 24, we are studying these days together, the second coming of Jesus Christ as it is found in the four Gospels, the second coming of Jesus Christ as we find it in the four Gospels. We will not exposit the whole of Matthew 24 this morning. We will try our best to stay with our topic. We are simply showing from the Word of God that there will be a second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. We know and believe He came the first time, born of a virgin in a manger, lived a perfect and sinless life, and then laid down that life upon a cross to pay for your sins and for mine. Three days and three nights later, He rose from the dead, showed Himself alive by many infallible proofs to as many as 500 witnesses at one time. And then from the Mount of Olives, he ascended, sit down at the right hand of the Father, uh, henceforth expecting until his enemies should be made his footstool. He is coming again, he said, the announcement of the uh, angels that saw him go up to the men that watched him ascend into heaven, this same Jesus shall so come, like manners, you've seen him go, and we believe that, but not everyone does, and our, our hope is placed in the coming of the Lord, our, our hopes for, for this earth and this world, but not everyone has that hope. But the Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Some of that wall is still standing and so we know there is uh, some future business yet to be taken care of in Jerusalem of an unpleasant nature. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Father, bless your word to our hearts this morning. We do ask and pray, please make these matters clear to us and find us believing them. We'll thank you in Jesus' name and amen. The disciples of the Lord were unclear about many things that he tried to teach them. In fact, the very week of his crucifixion, they were still unclear about him dying on the cross. The very morning of his resurrection, they were still unclear about his rising from the dead. But they express here at least a momentary understanding that the things that he had prophesied would require a second coming because they evidently were not being or would not be fulfilled at his first coming. He is sitting right there with them and they ask, what shall be the sign of thy coming? Well, you don't ask someone, when are you coming to supper if you're sitting at a meal together? You don't ask someone, are you coming to church this morning if they're sitting beside you in the pew? If these men are asking Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming? 
they are at least in this brief window of time anticipating his second coming or his return to the earth. He, he warns them in verse number 4 that they are susceptible to deception. This deception would come in the, in the form of people claiming to be Christ in verse number 5. He says in verse 6, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, in my lifetime, I got saved 1976, and prophecy was quite the rage in uh, the 70s owing to Hal Lindsey's book and then into the 80s owing to the many date setters and many uh, prophecy networks and prophecy channels and prophecy conferences and the fatal flaw in all of those movements was they were basing their prophecy on secular news not on the Word of God. They were setting dates for the second coming and excited about the rapture because of the very things Jesus said would not be the indicators of his coming. Look at the wars. Look at the rumors of wars. Look at the pestilences. Look at the earthquakes. Look at the famines. Jesus must be coming soon. How odd that men were pointing people to things that Jesus said were not the indication of his coming and getting people excited about him coming. And after a while, what happened is people got wearied of getting excited about the Lord's coming because of a war, because one war just led to another. And because of an earthquake, because one earthquake report just led to another. And because of famines, because one famine just followed another. And instead of being excited about Jesus Christ coming for the reasons he said we should be excited, they lost hope of his coming <clears throat> because they were looking for signs that weren't signs at all. And basing their hope on what man was doing to man instead of on what God said he himself would do. Now this morning, if you found out on the internet that a war sprang up somewhere, I'm not shaken nor excited by that. That's what men do. If you got a report and said there were more earthquakes in 2019 than there were in 1819, I don't need that to know that Jesus is coming. Jesus coming is closer now than it was in 1819. That's just a fact of the matter that we have to be closer now to his coming than we were last year or two years ago. The fact that you can point to famine somewhere in the world and say, this proves Jesus has to be coming soon, it doesn't prove that at all. It proves that some people are going hungry in one place and they're not in another, and it's been that way for several thousand years. So the Lord said to them, don't be deceived by any of these things. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Whatever you make of that in the year in which you are living, it was certainly future 
on this day when Jesus sat with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. There certainly is a requirement of a passage of a significant amount of time in order for what the Lord told his disciples on that day to come to pass. Again, we, it's great to read the Bible from our vantage point, but there was a day when Jesus sat with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And on that day, they asked him, when are you coming again? And he said, well, before I come again, the gospel of the kingdom has to be preached in every nation on the earth. So you will agree there has to be a space of time between his first coming and his second coming, however lengthy you want to make that passage of time. He then said in verse number 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, verse 16, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Now whatever your favorite prophecy guru has made of that or is currently making of that, it has nothing to do with Washington, D.C. or London or Brexit or Trump or a pope or a Chinese dictator, or a Muslim. It has to do with a specific place, Jerusalem, a specific building, a temple, a specific act, an abomination, an idol, a, a, an ability on the part of the one in this temple, in this city, to render God's holy land desolate. We're getting to the message here. I'm, I'm just trying to clear away this idea that you are going to understand anything about the Bible by reading internet news sites. We used to say headlines in the newspaper. How many remember newspapers? <laughs> so our hope in Jesus coming again is not based on anything Republicans or Democrats are doing. It's not based on whether, well, look, the Lord has to come soon because they're doing away with borders and they formed the EU. Well, guess what? Now the EU is falling apart. Stop trying to get us excited about the Lord's coming because of something man is doing. We're excited about the Lord's coming because of what he said. He said, I am coming again. We'll read it here in just, in just a moment. So, Verse number, verse number 21, then should be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Verse number 27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus says, in unmistakable terms, before I come, Things will be worse than they have ever been since the day that Noah and his family stepped off the ark. You read that in verse number uh, 20, uh, 20 uh, well, uh, 21. And then he says in verse 27, The coming of the Son of Man, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He said he's coming. He said before he came, things would be worse than they have ever been. 
That's what we know for certain. That's what we believe. For you to say in November of this year or January of last year or January or, or December 29th, 1999 or, or whatever date you have for the end of the collapse of everything, for you to say it's never been this bad, is something you could say as an American post-World War II. Look at our country. Things have never been this bad. Millions of people are trying to get here because they're a hundred or a thousand times better than where they live. Things have been worse than this in... I don't know, let's try Europe 1944. Let's try South Vietnam 1973. Let's try Cambodia under Pol Pot. Let's try China under Mao Zedong. Let's try Cuba under Fidel Castro and whoever else the college students are praising these days. You can't say the Lord must come because things are this bad, because you have no perspective whereby to say, worldwide it's never been this bad before. Only the Lord can determine when things are as bad as they can get without the human race itself dying. As long as you're flying in jets, to conferences to warn people that the whole environment is going to collapse and the earth is going to die. We're not buying it. How do you get us afraid of what you're not afraid of? So let's take a look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. It's hard to read that and not still be laughing with derision at John Hagee's folly. Now what happens when a prophecy teacher puts out a book about the blood moons lining up and, and the great collapse and calamity that results and it doesn't happen? The next Sunday he gets on TV, doesn't apologize, and the same people send him money. Folks, we're not talking about getting caught up in men's false predictions. When we talk about the coming of Jesus Christ, we are sticking with what Jesus Christ said. The sun should be darkened, the moon should not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. What did Jesus say? I am coming. I am coming in power. I am coming in great glory. That's what he said. So we don't need an earthquake. We don't need an uprising. We don't need a dictator. We don't need a plague. If Jesus Christ said, I am coming in power, he's coming in power. If Jesus said, I am coming in glory, he's coming in glory. I do not need the words or deeds of man to get me excited about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have His word on it, 
And I'm excited because he said he would do it. A direct question was answered. When will you come? And Jesus said, I will come immediately after all these things come to pass, and I will come in power, and I will come in glory. So what are we excited about? Not the things that are going to come to pass between now and then. The promise of his coming. Now, it used to be 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we had to address the false hopes of the Christian I started to say community. They're trying so hard to force that word into my, into my vocabulary, but I'm not a communist. So uh, the, the Christian world, and that's a good term nowadays because you, that's the, the Christian world, it's hard to tell them apart. But it used to be that there was a strong belief that so many people were going to get saved and so much of the world was going to fall under the Christian influence that the world would be crying out for the coming of the king. Many of our songs in the 70s and 80s were centered around that. The king is coming and how great it's going to be and everybody's looking for him to come. You know what the Bible says here? Verse 30. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven, power and great glory. You know what he said? When I come, there won't be anybody wanting me to come. There won't be anybody excited about my coming, looking forward to my coming, uh, putting out welcome signs, hurry back Jesus. In fact, when they see me, they shall mourn. Revelation chapter 1 says uh, that, that there'll be great sadness and sorrow when they see the Son of Man coming. Now, this is, honestly, folks, this is mind-boggling. Times have never been worse than they are immediately before his coming, and they still don't want him to come. The world has never been in a worse condition than it will be immediately before his coming, and they still don't have hope of his coming. Now, this is, this is where, um, this is where we, we keep our numbers to a, a manageable, um, reasonable size. Last night, last night in Ormond Beach, Florida, last night in Titusville, Florida, last night in Sanford, Florida, tens of thousands of people lined streets, sitting in folding chairs and on curbsides with their children to, and their children holding signs of joyous anticipation. And those parents brought their children to wait for hours to see a car pulling a trailer with a throne on it with a man wearing a costume that would be recognized by everyone as Santa Claus. And half of those people, if you ask them, would tell you they are Christians. And their children are not the least bit interested in the coming of Jesus Christ. 
You couldn't excite those kids about Jesus coming if you tried all day to excite them. Why? Because their parents aren't excited about it. And their parents aren't interested in it. But those parents will, will have early supper, come and find a parking place, come and sit in the dark, and then tell their children, he's almost here, he's almost here, he's coming. Now be good, don't, don't start, don't run on the street, don't be bad, stay right here, he's almost here, he's coming. And dad knows it's a lie, and mom knows it's a lie, and half the kids know it's a lie. But they're excited about it anyway. So we got done giving out those gospel tracts and we rode by the Holy Family Church. And the sign out front said, come have lunch with Santa. And we got back here and dropped people off and we're driving home last night and they're having a Christmas party in a church on Kepler Road and Santa Claus is inside and the church is full. More cars there than are there on Sunday morning because... They're excited about lying. And somebody said, if you want to say that in front of the children, our kids are okay. You don't have to wean people off a lie if you never lied to them. Now listen, there is no bar that's going to invite a preacher in to celebrate the coming of Christ. The Elks aren't going to do it. The Moose aren't going to do it. Rotary's not going to do it. Kiwanis isn't going to do it. If you, if you were alive in the 50s, the raccoons aren't going to do it. Ron. Nobody else remembers Jackie Gleason. All right. Anyway, you know why? Because they wouldn't dare insult their unsaved, worldly, secular membership with somebody coming in there talking about Jesus Christ coming again. But almost every quote-unquote Christian church in America will let a lie come in and promote falsehood and people in those churches get more excited about what's false than they do about what's true. So, and, and I'm telling you that for a reason. And the reason is, take a look here. Verse 36. That day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall, be, uh, shall two be in the field, the one should be taken, the other left. Two women should be grinding at the mill, one should be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man <coughs> cometh. Now what did he say? Over and over and over again, Jesus said, I'm coming. I'm coming. But I'm coming in an hour when you're not anticipating it. You're not expecting it. You're not looking forward to it. Okay, <clears throat> that makes sense if you're an American living in the best economy in 50 years. 
70 years, 80 years, 100 years, ever. Makes sense if you're an American with closets full of clothes and multiple vehicles in the parking lot and money in your pockets and restaurants to go to and it makes sense. These people have just come through seven years of great tribulation, the worst times ever in the history of the human race, 21 judgments, an antichrist, a beast, a, a mark of the beast. Wouldn't you think everybody be said, oh God, come help us. Oh Lord, please come rescue us. You know what the Bible says? They're eating, they're drinking, they're marrying, they're giving in marriage. That makes sense in America today. <clears throat> Jesus said, it's going to be like that immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now listen, how far does the coming of the Lord have to be removed from the hearts and minds of men? For them to go through seven years of great tribulation and nobody's even hoping for his return. Nobody's saying, well, if Jesus would just come back. He said in Luke, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Now let me tell you something. You just take that map and you, and you just circle all the parts of the world where Islam is in control. They have, they're not hoping for Jesus to come back and take over the world. Then you circle all the parts where the communists have taken control and exterminated the Christians. They're not, they're not hoping for Jesus Christ to come over and take over the world. Then we take in all the Buddhists and all the Hindus and all the tribalists. And, and then you come to Europe and America and wherever else it's supposed to be Christian. You know what they're hoping for? Santa. Not Christ. You know what they're preaching? Elves and reindeers and fairies and trees. Not, not Christ coming. So the only people who could be excited about Jesus coming, the only people who could be telling the world about Jesus coming, they're not interested either. They have no more hope and joy an expectation and excitement about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth than they do at the mosque. Now you don't have to like that, but it's a fact. I, I praise God that we got a church that will travel to 16 towns tell thousands of people sitting there waiting to be told something about Jesus Christ. Why do we have to go to all these towns? Churches should be falling all over each other to tell that many people about Jesus. You know what they're doing? They're planning their, planning their plays and planning their, uh, their Santa through the chimney and they're planning their, their uh, decorating their tree and all the rest of that stuff. You know why? Because their hope is the same hope as the world. Their joy is the same joy as the world. Their anticipation is the same anticipation as the world. Now let me tell you something. Jesus Christ said, looking at verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, look at verse 21, then should be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Verse number 37, 
But as the days of Noah were, so should the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days were in the, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, till the day Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came. You know what Jesus said? I'm going to come back to this earth. I'm going to come at Armageddon with a sword and fire. I'm going to take over this world. I'm going to destroy all opposition. And he said... There won't be anybody anticipating that. Isn't that sad? So the Christians lost their expectation owing to false prophets, which he warned you about. And the Christians now, if they're Christians, if they're saved, are more excited about lies they know are lies than truth they claim to know is truth. And Jesus said, why didn't you lock your doors? There's crime everywhere. There's violence everywhere. He, he said, it's worse than it's ever been, but the goodman of the house made no preparation for a thief coming. Did you read it? Look, look at verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this. That if the good one of the house had known in what, hour, in, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. It would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give the meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So you get a message. It comes on your, on your phone. Beep, your phone beeps, and you look at it. I'm a thief. I'm going to rob your house tonight. And you tell your wife, wow, somebody's going to come rob the house tonight. She said, what time? Oh, he didn't say what time. Oh, well, forget it. Let's just go to sleep. Honey, did you lock the doors? No, why? Well, that thief said he was coming. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, he's not here yet. I mean, surely if he's going to rob our house, he'd have been here by now. And they wake up the next morning and all, everything's gone. Now you can blame the thief if you want to, but that's kind of stupid. For him to tell you he's going to come rob your house and you don't do anything about it. And I'm just looking at all these churches, God bless their heart. I hope they preach the gospel. I hope next Sunday they talk about the baby in a manger and he died on the cross. I hope some people get saved. I do. I really, I, really, I do. I'm not against them. But if Jesus Christ has said over and over and over again, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, and he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the only one who can fix this mess, why are we getting our children so excited about things we know aren't true? Instead of getting them excited about what's true, because what's going to happen, they're going to grow up and they're going to be deacons and Sunday school teachers and pastors and elders and treasurers, and the whole church is going to be caught up in these lies. When they could be caught up in the thrill and anticipation of the coming of Jesus Christ. People, you're just against all that. No, I'm not against the stuff. I'm against the attitude that has resulted in the stuff. 
Why are you more excited about Frosty putting a hat on his head and dancing down the street than you are something real? <clears throat> this is real. He's coming again. Let, let's, let's buy it. Let's just, just for a minute, let's buy it. Let's, let's, let's go all in. Let's buy the argument. Every year, every year since 1946, Santa has visited every house in Detroit. How's that worked out? Wouldn't you think it's time to shift to another hope? But they're going to try Santa again this year. You understand? East St. Louis, New York City, Atlanta. How's it going? Crime, violence, Chicago. Hang your stockings out. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you don't get murdered before Christmas Eve. So every year, here comes the sleigh. Every year, here comes the fat guy. I'm sorry. The, they're going to have to do something about that because that's, that's offensive nowadays. Santa's he's vertically challenged. He's, he's not overweight. He's just not tall enough for his weight. He should be about nine feet, two inches tall. And so every year, Santa comes to all the houses in Chicago, comes down the chimney, and delivers presents to all the boys and girls. It don't bring their dads home. It doesn't get their mothers out of prison. It doesn't get their grandparents off dope. It doesn't keep them getting shot in the streets. Why don't you try something else, Chicago? Why don't you try Jesus? Uh, we can't have that religion in here. It's, it's, it's an ancient mythology. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's give it to you. We'll give, we'll give you three minutes of equal time. Christianity's a myth, and your Santa Claus is a myth. Our myth gets us off dope, off liquor. It gets us stop beating our wives. It gives us good families and good homes and sound minds. And we, we pay our bills and we keep our kids out of the jailhouse. So why don't you try our myth instead of your myth? Well, we couldn't do that. It would be discriminated. There's some people get offended by it. I'm offended by Rudolph. That ain't going to make you stop putting a red piece of fuzz on your hood of your car. Here's a, here's a, here's a guy with a college degree, and he's got, he's got a Rudolph nose on his car and two antlers stuck in the windows. Can I give you a gospel track shirt? No, I don't believe in that stuff. to do with a country like this? Just preach the word. So he says in verse number, verse number 48, but if that evil servant shall say in his, every year I say, I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. And then I can't because they just keep putting it in my face. They keep trying to shove their religion down my throat. All right, let's, let's, let, just want a little, we'll take a little time out for some culture. <clears throat> Allow me to. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad. Te prospero año, Feliz Mitad. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Verse 2. Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad. Really? Barumpa pum pum, rumpa pum pum, rumpa pum pum. There's there's one verse that it's it's not in it's not in Luke, but it's it, it's a marginal note. Mary said, would somebody shut that kid with the drums up? I'm trying to get this baby to sleep over here. Oh, man. Somebody said this year they gave him Ritalin. Now he's the dismal drummer boy instead of the little drummer boy. Anybody else that needs offending this morning? Take a shot at everybody. 48, 48, but, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and, to, and drink with the drunken. You know what he just said? If you lose your hope and your confidence that I could come again, you will start living just like the people who never believed it in the first place. That's what he said. 1 John 3 says, Every man that has hope in the coming of the Lord purifieth himself even as he is pure. And the reason our churches are as worldly as the world, as carnal as the carnal society we live in, as, as ready to promote lies as, as the lodges and the clubs, is because if you lose your confidence in the Lord's return, you will become just like the people who never believed it. That's what he said. 50. And the Lord of that servant should come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and should cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What if the Lord came back and said, you didn't want me? You wanted lies? Okay, then go spend eternity with the father of lies. Okay, so let's go to verse number 35. Heaven and earth, heaven and earth shall pass away. Whatever you want to do about icebergs, rivers, and plastic islands in the ocean and all the rest of that, heaven and earth shall pass away. Aren't you worried about? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about any of it. I don't spend one minute worrying about the heavens and the earth. They're going to pass away. Spend money on them. Don't spend money on them. They're done for. But my words, my words shall not pass away. How about that? So wars trouble us if the bombs are falling on us. Rumors of war trouble us if our boys are going to have to go off and, and fight in them. 
Famines trouble us if we ever encounter one. Pestilences upset. But while someone's having a famine, somebody else is eating well. While someone's having a pestilence, somebody else is quite healthy. While one country's at war, another country's at peace. It's been that way for 6,000 years. These things come and these things go. Do you know what Jesus said? There's one thing that'll always be here. My words and they are true. Get your heart back in the Bible. Get your mind back in the Bible. Get your hope back in the Bible. Get your conversation back in the Bible. All this other stuff has you worried and troubled about things I told you not to worry about and not to be troubled about. I want you living in joyous anticipation of the coming of the Lord. He said, he said five, six, seven times in this chapter, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And he said, if nobody believes it, I'm coming. If nobody wants me to do it, I'm coming. He's not coming based on world conditions. He's coming based on his promise. He's not coming when, when enough people finally vote for Jesus to come back. He's coming because he said so. Praise the Lord. So whatever you do in your home these next couple of weeks is between you and the Lord. But my house, we're excited about somebody real who's really coming, who really loves us, who really does see you when you're sleeping and know when you're awake and really does bring his rewards with him when he comes. We're excited about the real thing. I'd encourage you to be excited about the real thing. Amen. Jesus Christ coming again. We don't know when. We don't know when. He didn't say when. But you know what, you know what he said right there? Well, if I knew when the Lord was coming, I'd, wait a minute, wait a minute. A thief is going to come tonight. Isn't that... I mean, you, you don't know the hour, but that seems reasonable that you would be living in expectation, right? Noah said, God's going to send a flood, and here's this giant boat and all these animals getting in the boat. Now, you might not know exactly what time the rain's going to start, but that's, that's fairly reasonable window of expectation, wouldn't you say? If he told his disciples to watch and be ready. Do you think it's a fool's errand? Or do you think it's a reasonable expectation that every believer should have that the coming of Christ could take place while I am alive to observe it? Come on, just, just put the thing in its context. I want you ready and you ready and you ready and you ready and you ready. He's saying that to the men on that mountain. Well, he didn't come in their lifetime. It's not about his coming. It's about what anticipation and hope is going to motivate you and carry you through each day and each passing year. And the hope Jesus wants you to have is not in man fixing things or in things getting so bad the Lord has to come. He wants you to live in anticipation of his coming because he said he was coming. Praise the Lord. So, 
According to Matthew 24, if you believe the words of Jesus Christ is recorded there, He is coming again. And His coming is not conditioned upon man wanting Him to come or man not wanting Him to come. It's conditioned upon His promise that He would come again and His feet would stand on that day on the Mount of Olives and He would take the throne of David and reign at Jerusalem. And that's our hope. That's our joy. That's our anticipation. That's what we want to tell the world. Amen. Father, bless your word to our hearts, please. Help us be true believers. Please, God, let us be as devoted to truth as the world is to falsehood. Oh, what a revival that would bring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.